Good morning. I'm going to be totally honest. When it comes to writing a sermon, I know next to nothing. So the first thing I did in preparation before I typed any words was to navigate to dictionary.com and look up the word sermon. Three definitions came up on my computer screen, and they are as follows. Number one, a discourse for the purpose of religious instruction or exhortation, one based on a text of scripture and delivered by a member of the clergy as part of a religious service. This definition I rolled out for myself, seeing as I am not a member of the clergy. The second definition, a long, tedious speech. <laughs> this definition was also ruled out since I can almost guarantee you that this sermon is not going to be long. The last definition seemed to fit my intentions best, so I will try to stay within its parameters. Sermon, any serious speech, discourse, or exhortation, especially on a moral issue. Before we left from Lancaster to head down to Quinnia Farm, we were told to bring a journal and some sort of a notebook and a Bible, like any good church youth group does when going on a missions trip. We were also told to come up with a favorite Bible verse to share with the group during our daily evening Bible studies. A different person read his or her favorite verse each night. After reading through the verse once, it was read through slowly again, usually with everyone closing their eyes and trying to focus solely on what the passage was really saying. Since everyone in the youth group is well-versed in hermeneutics and exegesis, thanks to Pastor Ron, we made short work of interpreting what was being read. Part of that is true. We did learn all about hermeneutics and exegesis from Ron, but that didn't mean that the response portion of our evening Bible studies were quick. We took anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour to brainstorm and process the verse, and what we had learned from our day in Georgia. I will be sharing some of our thoughts and points of discussion regarding the verses that were chosen by members of the youth group while at Quinnia Farm, as well as reading some short selections from them. When Quinnia Farm was started in 1942 by couples Clarence and Florence Jordan and Martin and Mabel England, I think they probably understood what it was going to be like starting a farming community that was tolerant of all races in the Deep South at that time. They understood that it was not going to be easy and that they were going to encounter resistance to their ideas concerning equality. Participants of the early stages of Koinonia Farm would, more than most people, understand James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. The concept of trying to find joy in trials of any kind is hard to fathom, especially when the Ku Klux Klan are standing outside your gates preaching and spreading hatred for you and your ideology. When someone has an apparent problem with bikes and honks at me from the comfort of their gas-guzzling SUV, I don't think about how lucky I am that I'm encountering a trial of some sort. I think about how tempted I am to follow their car down the road, shaking my fist at them. I realize that this isn't exactly what the verse is talking about, but it's just an example. The people at Quinnia Farm had to deal with almost constant harassment from the community that included, but was not limited to, boycotting buying of any of their goods, refusing to sell equipment and seed to them, and even firing guns and firebombing the farm itself. It would be hard for anyone to find joy in that, 
even if they knew the end result would be the strengthening of their faith. Not only did the people of Quinonia Farm stick to their ideas of equality of races through all of this, but they also continued to be a part of the community around them, the same community that was tent, intent on stopping them through threats and other means of intimidation. The farm held day camps for local children on the farm and did not leave America's Georgia during the time that they were encountering resistance. They never carried out any act of vengeance on the community that had rejected them. They didn't return the hatred that was being shot at them from all directions. This notion of repaying evil with good ties into my second verse wonderfully. Romans 12, 17 through 21 says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Koinonia Farm's persistence of their vision for equal rights for all over the past 70 years has, in many senses, paid off. The community of America's Georgia no longer looks on them with disdain, but rather recognizes their founders as pioneers for equality of race and gender. But Koinonia Farm has had a much larger impact on the world around them than just in southwest Georgia. Members of Koinonia have gone on to help in fields as varied and as far-reaching as civil rights work, prison ministries, peace activism, youth and teen outreach, sustainable agriculture, economic development, and affordable housing, to name a few. In fact, Habitat for Humanity was started by a former member of Koinonia Farm and still has its headquarters in America's Georgia today. 1 Peter 3, 8-9 says, Finally, all of you, live in harmony with one another, be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you are called, so that you may inherit a blessing. The perseverance of a few people who did what they felt was right in a time when they stood alone in their beliefs has multiplied by leaps and bounds over the years. The number of people affected by Quininia's vision for equality, compassion, humility, and humility has been far more reaching than the original founders would have ever predicted back in 1942. I believe that the people of Quininia Farm and the recipients of their hospitality have been truly blessed. This is not to say that after doing a good deed, someone should look up to the sky waiting for a gift to fall into their hands. My point is to say that being blessed should not be the motive behind doing good deeds towards other. Quininia Farm is not motivated by an end goal of being blessed. Rather, I fear their goal is to be a blessing. <laughs>